Well, good evening, Stacy. Hello. Whoa, my phone is really loud. <laughs> I'm going to turn that down a little bit. Hello. So, it's probably not evening whenever people are listening to this. Who knows? But That's we're a, l- a little bit behind our normal schedule since I'm out of town and wasn't true. available this morning. I am going to, uh, I haven't started the video yet here, so give me a second to do that. All right. Here we go. I am going to drink water while you do that because, as everyone knows, we are the home of professional podcasting. We are the home of professional hydration. <laughs> Hello, uh, everybody on the video. I hope this records. I'm doing it by myself for the first time. So, Hello, everybody on the video. We're giving you a break today, and you get to see Stacy instead of me. I'm very sorry for that because it's like quarter to nine at night. I'm very tired and I'm not wearing makeup. So my apologies. (laughs) You know, conveniently, I'm also not wearing makeup. Well, that's unusual for you. I'm also (laughs) sitting like in the middle of my basement, which is just weird, but I'm trying to be kind of quiet because my child is asleep. (laughs) Are the the dogs asleep as well? They are, but that never means anything, you know? (laughs) Are you are you able to hear me clearly? All right, I I can hear you. I'm, I'm I've got the phone pointed to my computer as well, so I hope everybody on the video can hear you as okay. well. Um, so yeah, uh, let's just hope this works. Well, <laughs> so thanks, you know, so thanks everyone for bearing with us as usual. It one way or another, we will we will see how our destiny unfolds. That's true. So you are, as you said, uh, I think you mentioned it before. I actually got on the video here. You're out of town this week. Uh, for a couple days. I am. I'm participating in a preaching workshop uh, put on by Leadership Resources International, and it's called Fellowship of the Word. So we are uh, meeting with masks and distancing, which is a strange dynamic for us. COVID, this is the first time we've met since COVID. It's kind of pushed mm-hmm. us off a while. So it, it's uh, it's actually a terrific thing that I, um, you know, we're using this in a Bible study uh, at Real Life to try to um, promote these Bible study principles that we're looking at, the, uh, what LRI calls the, uh, the dig and discover principles. So we're, but what we want is for everybody to be able to read and understand the Bible for themselves, to be able to, uh, to in a, a clear, uh, plain reading of the, of the text, let the text determine our understanding rather than letting our uh, predetermined understandings tell us how to read the text. So, uh, Anyway, it's it's a good did thing. You, and did you do that last year as well? Have you ever done that before? Yes, this is. I feel like you went to Lansing for something last year. <laughs> uh, normally, I go twice a year, and we oh, okay. participate. It's a four-year program, and we're uh, we should be wrapped up with it by now. But COVID has delayed, as it has everything else. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, we're actually we're in the working on Habakkuk this week, nice. uh, and it's it's great. Um, I'm excited about it. It's always good to be able to hang out with like-minded um, Christians where we are uh, able to talk about eternal things and work on how we can more effectively understand and communicate the Word of God. So, you know, it's it's a great time of fellowship. It's a great time of study, hence the name Fellowship of the Word. Makes sense. Uh, well, we are going to try to uh, talk about something that I feel like it's going to probably take longer than 30 minutes, but we're going to try to keep it. As- <laughs> I guarantee it will be shorter than the sermon was on Sunday. So. <laughs> well, because so, I want to go to bed. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, uh, I, we mentioned last week on the podcast, um, you know, a little snippet of what was what the sermon was going to be about. And if yeah. you haven't, if you haven't looked at the sermon yet or, or listened to it, I mean, um, you can check that out on our Facebook page or here on the podcast. Um, I actually just got it posted this morning. I was a little delayed in that, but it is available now. Um, or you can check our website. It's available there as well. Um, so if you haven't listened to that yet, maybe go back and do that before you listen to this. But, you um, might need to take a couple of shots at it, you know, listen to yeah. it in chunks because it's uh, yeah. much longer than normal. And you, it's normally had, pretty long. So. You had mentioned to me on Sunday, like, we, we might need to break this up. But right, we, yeah. ended, we ended up just doing the whole thing. So listen right. at your at your leisure, I guess. You can blame um, Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes for that. You know, the Super Bowl took up too much time on Sunday for me to get back to do editing on it. So. Well, you have, you have priorities. There are priorities, and making one long sermon into two or three sermons was not the priority at that particular Understandable. time. It was, it was just not destined to be. Well, the thing is, I feel like, yeah, it was long, <laughs> but uh, I think, A, that was necessary, and B, it probably could have been, you know, hours and hours longer. Yeah. Um, there's, there's no way to as you said, I think a couple of times to, uh, cram all that into a, a single week, you know? Right. Um, and hopefully, I mean, I realize we only have about 30 minutes here, but hopefully we can dive into at least a couple of concepts a little more. Um, and as always, if anyone has any questions or comments after they've listened to the sermon or listened to this, you guys can send us a message or leave us a voicemail or whatever. We do um, questions. Yeah. Questions are yes. good. And, and you know, and really that's one of the things that I think probably we as Christ followers don't do often enough is uh, a ask good questions and B keep asking those questions until we get answers. So we, we want to, have you met my mother? <laughs> Yes, actually. And I, and I keep telling her because she keeps apologizing for asking questions. I'm like, that's what we're supposed to be doing. The, the times that you feel you know, frustrated or feel like you're overthinking, that's what we're supposed to be doing. When we have hard concepts, we shouldn't run away from them. We shouldn't sweep them mm -hmm. under the rug. We, we want to go headlong into them and, and ask the Lord to show us these things. And so, you know, as we're doing this, that's why we, we, took a, a step away and we'll do it again this week on a different topic. But as we're, as we step away from uh, progressing uh, in the book of Ephesians, as we're looking at this all for one series, we're, we're working through the book of Ephesians. And we saw in our overview that the, the overarching theme of the book, the, the main idea or core reality of the book is that God's great purpose is to bring all things together under his kingdom rule in Jesus Christ. So we want to look at all of this through that lens as we see it. So then as we're looking at Ephesians chapter one, there's a huge, huge amount of powerful doctrine and some things that could cause us a lot of confusion if we're not careful. And as we looked at uh, at chapter one and, and kind of marched through what Paul is saying here, we're actually only in the first 14 verses. So it's not all of chapter one, but as we're looking at these first 14 verses here, uh, we see that the theme of this passage or the core reality here is that God's glory is displayed in his grace toward us in Christ. So we want to look at the whole thing through those two lenses, through the lens that, that God is recon reconciling all things to himself in Jesus and specifically in this passage, that part of God reconciling all things to himself or bringing all things together under his kingdom rule in Jesus Christ is that he is displaying his grace 
toward us, uh, as he is giving this grace to us, it displays his glory. And so God, in his initiating, redeeming love toward us in Ephesians 1, does some things. And as he does some things, we need to be recognizing what it is what it is that he's doing and what it means for us as we walk forward. So next week, uh, rather than uh, the predestination that we're talking about uh, this week, we'll be looking at how does this identity in Christ work? What does this mean? What does it mean to be in Christ or united to Christ, adopted? How does that all play out in our lives? So this week, uh, we wanted to stop because a couple of times here in Ephesians 1, uh, verses 3 to 14 in particular, but 1 to 14, we see Paul use that, that term of predestined, and we see that God chose us, and, and uh, the theological term we use for that is election, that God elects, chooses us. And we need to kind of take a little bit, little bit of time and hover here, because those are words that are really loaded for a lot of people, and as soon right. as we hear them, uh, it can kind of blow up our, our minds and hearts as we're dealing with this. So, um, before we get into it, I just want to make sure that we're doing all that we can, uh, particularly uh, on Sunday when we're preaching the sermon. But as we're working through this now as well, I want to do all that we can to avoid particular systems of theology that might have you know ties to denominations in gray areas. And look at what does the text say? What is what is the Bible telling us that we? we really need to, to deal with. Because what we don't need is the opinion of a preacher or a theologian uh, or a podcaster. We, what we need is to see God's word as God reveals himself through his word so that we can, can work through this. So um, let me just real briefly, if, if I may, uh, read verses 3 to 14. And I'm reading from, uh, from the New International Version 1984 edition, which, as we all know, is heaven's preferred edition of, of the preferred translation. So uh, here's what Paul writes. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, even Christ in him. We were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are Christ's, who, who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
So that's the passage that we're looking at. And you can see, as, as we talked about, the lens uh, through which we should see these concepts are, is, is really what is the main idea and intended response here for this passage? What is, what, what is the core reality? The core reality is that God's glory is displayed in his grace toward us in Christ. So the, the response that we want to see from that, we'll see as we go through the, the rest of it, um, that's the, the theme of the passage. As we're talking about these concepts within the passage, uh, and you know we titled the sermon Chosen and Secure, and this idea of being chosen, being predestined, being adopted and secure in Christ, the core reality that holds these thoughts together within this is that our, our destiny in Christ is as settled as God's sovereignty. I'm going to say that again because if people didn't hear the sermon, it might not make sense to them if, if they don't hear it. Our destiny in Christ is as settled as God's sovereignty. In other words, since he chose us, since he has, as we just read, predestined us, he's, he's set forth a destiny and a purpose for us. It is as settled as God is sovereign. If God has declared it, and he is God, and as Job said, no purpose of his can be thwarted, then we should be able to rest secure in knowing that the one who chose us has secured us, sealed us, made sure that, that, that we are permanently and forever his. And that's where we look at, at these ideas of election and predestination and the security that comes with that. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> now I'm trying to break all this down without breaking all of it down. <laughs> because I just feel like there's so much to unpack there and so many like individual questions yeah. that, uh, and so I, much, I as long as the sermon was on Sunday, there's so much that I didn't cover that. I really, right. I don't right. think I did a particularly job, particularly good job of covering what needed to be covered. Um, but hopefully we at least got a start to be able to look at some things. Well, I think that, you know, in doing so, I think you did do a good job, by the way. <laughs> well, you, um, you get paid big money to say that, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, PayPal me. Um, <laughs> but, I'll send you the I same think, as last week. <laughs> but I think what the, if, if, if nothing else, and there was something else, but if nothing else, I think what the sermon was, and if you don't go attend real life or you don't follow on Facebook or anything and see the outlines, um, each week there's, it's, it's, I, I call it a Bible study because it's really what it feels like to me sometimes instead of a sermon when we're, you know, actually looking things up, filling in blanks, you know, whatever. And so in doing things like that, I think it often gets people, it, at least for me, it gets my wheels turning. It, it prompts more questions. Um, as opposed to just, you know, hearing a, a anecdote or a story or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, so if nothing else, I think that uh, what you talked about on Sunday probably prompted a lot more questions from people while also providing some answers, but usually with answers come more questions. Well, if, um, if the questions that they're prompted to moves them to get into the word, to study it for themselves, right or to try to, you know, to, to make sure they come back to, to hear it or to, you know, read and study some, some better theologians than me on the subject. Great. If it moves them to get to the point where they want to try and, you know, 
prove me wrong, great. Because to do that, you're going to get into the word. And so I'm, I absolutely would invite anybody who has questions or rebuttals to, to bring that to it. Because what we don't want to do is follow, you know, follow my teaching as my teaching uh, or, or anybody else's. You know, you don't take somebody's word for it just because they say, oh, well, here's what Not it means. With something like this, especially. Say that again. <laughs> That was something like, this, yeah, yeah. You know, we want to, we want to look at what does the Bible actually say? And that's why we have to address predestination. I feel like that's one of the things, you know, and there are many topics, but I feel like that's one of the things that, that too often Christians just kind of walk away from, Oh, I don't want to talk about that because that's controversial and all that kind of stuff. I don't know how to deal with it. So I don't want to deal with it. And we just let it go. But if we pretend that it's not there, then we have a problem. I mean, we, we really can't escape it in scripture. Um, so that's that's reality. It, it's in the Bible. We just read it. So because it's in the Bible, everyone who believes the Bible believes in election and predestination. Now, where right. we come to a problem with that is we don't all define it the same way. And a lot of times, you know, we run into struggles over the basis and the manner of God's actions. How does God do this? How does it play out? What, why does he choose some people and not others? You know, if, you know, if we are predestined to what extent does God predestine? Is that just in this one area that's predestined everything? Right. What about human free will? And we get into all these different things. And, and one right. of the struggles that I think we, we really, um, we really see over and over again, is that we are hampered because we, we, we wear these, these shackles of human philosophy. And we, we have been trained to think a certain way. That's part of our, our framework, our cultural background. And so when we look at life, when we look at, at our general worldview, we've been conditioned to believe that there's nothing more important than human free will. I would challenge anybody to find that in the scriptures. It's not there. Right. It's not that we don't act and to, to the fullest extent that we are able and, and to, to know what's going on. We, for all intents and purposes, act freely. However, right. that does not mean that God isn't sovereign. So that you come into a philosophical conundrum if you are demanding ultimate free will for for humans as human agents and still calling God sovereign and that God has a free will. Because if God's if my free will is able to interrupt God's ability to exercise his freedom, then he is neither free nor sovereign. So that's where right. philosophically you just run into a, the, the law of non-contradiction in there. So you know, there can only be one sovereign. Like there can only be one right. omnipotent being. If there's two that claim to be omnipotent and one can overpower the other, then they're not omnipotent. And if right. neither can overpower the other, then I guess they're still not omnipotent, right? So, you know, right. the, the, you run into those basic logical things. So if we're talking about election and predestination. And when I say election, again, we're talking about the concept of choosing. When it says that God chose us, that, that's the same verb there in that uh, text as, as the term God elects us. Some translations would call it elect, some call it choose. Same word. It's the Greek eklegomai. And, and as you look at that, that idea, 
um, it has to do with choosing, appointing. And so we see scripturally uh, here in Romans, in the Old Testament, as it talks about Israel, that God chooses whom he will save. It, it's, it's not one or two passages. It's over and over and over again. It's a ubiquitous truth. I like to say ubiquitous. So it's a ubiquitous truth. And, and when we see that throughout the scriptures, then we can't just run away from it or sweep it under the rug and say, oh, no, no, free will, free will. Now, wait a minute. What does this mean? We have to wrestle with it. So in a nutshell. You can't see, you can't see my face, but I have confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a nutshell, this, this election, this choosing, is that it's, this is where we find God's grace to sinners. Right. Because his he chooses whom he's going to give grace to He's going to show grace to if if God is choosing that, then it's really not quite grace. He's not giving that Uh, everything that we see here and elsewhere related to this, particularly here. Everything here is God is the initiator. He's the doer over and over. We see this idea. He chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. Not not based on anything else, but he chose us in Christ. And then we see he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. So the idea of choosing is this is God's decision, his election to give grace to some and to give justice to others. So we, we see it from, we see it though from a, I think the struggle, at least for me, comes from a, I, a very humanistic standpoint. And so I guess when I'm trying to strip down these concepts that are too big for my brain, um, I'm wondering, uh, let me try to break it down like a five-year-old. And that's that's <laughs> usually where I function best. I Let's say uh, John Smith is born. Um, and... Uh, so so a person is born, John Smith is born, and, and God already knows whether or not that person is going to be chosen or not. He knew millions and millions and millions and millions of years ago. Um, is that person then, were they never going to come to God and God just knows that? Because if, if I was born and I, you know, lived my life a certain way or whatever, and then in my 20s or 30s or 40s or when I'm 80 years old, I, I find I find God and I give my life to Jesus and whatever. That's that's one thing. But if somebody is not chosen, then I feel like their predestination is that they were never going to choose God throughout their life. And God already knew right. that. Right. Am I missing? That? No, I, I, I <laughs> I'm think. Sorry, I'm... I'm probably not explaining that the right way. I I think you bring up the tension really well there that, well, wait a minute. If God's choosing some and he's sovereign, he can do what he wants and he knows everything in advance. God could make everyone come to him. That's right. He could. But in his sovereign will and his sovereign grace, being the, the sovereign ruling being that he is, in other words, he has all authority and all power to back up that authority. God is God did things the way he did things, right? So when we read these things in the scripture, it's no longer a matter of whether (laughs) it's a matter of, well, what does that mean? And how does that play out? So, right. Because if somebody is not chosen or not elected, can we, can't we argue that even those individuals 
are they still have a purpose for God's glory? Somehow? Absolutely. In fact, Romans nine says that very specifically. But I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let me let me let, no no. That, Sorry, I, I'm you're, getting... <laughs> you're you're nailing it actually. But when we're talking with about these things, we really aren't dealing with issues of philosophy. We're dealing with issues of sovereignty. This is a theological and discipleship right. issue. And the issue is, who is God? Who am I? Right? And am I willing to submit mm-hmm. to God? So the question here when we're wrestling with this is, who gets to be God? Who gets to make the decision about mm-hmm. these things? If, let me put it this way. If God did option A, whatever that might be, as God, creator of all things, master, ruler of the universe, does he have the right to do that? Yes, because he's God, right? (laughs) So then to take that a step farther, how do we know what right and wrong is? Where do we get our sense of right and wrong? From him, from his character, right? So it's the image of God in us. This is why even those who don't believe in in, in the Bible. Well, I was going to say, because even non-believers, right. you know. Right, yeah, right as distorted as it may be, there is right and there is wrong. And there's a certain sense of uni- universality right. to that, that while we might disagree about things, um, pretty much, you know, we can agree on some basic evils, there's there's no other place right. in the animal kingdom in in the, in the natural kingdom of the created order that we see that but there is something right. moral and and there's you know there are things like beauty that are built in and, and and so on but but because god's character shows us justice and righteousness and holiness and what what character should be we learn it from god therefore if God does a thing, whatever that thing is, is that just? Right, because yeah. God is just, right? <laughs> and our sense of justice right. comes from him. We're not talking about the pagan gods that are arbitrary, you know, the Roman and Greek gods that, you know, had this picture of they're going to just mess with people. They're going to do whatever. And they're petty and capricious. That's not the God right. of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When we see the God of the Bible, there's a, well, thinking- there's a purposefulness, there's a sovereignty, there is a right. seriousness about God in his glory that you don't see in in other religions or, or in the, the, the made-up pagan gods. So the idea of who right. God is is rooted in his character. The, the goodness and badness of anything we see in life is rooted in the character of God. So then do we as created beings, as, as the clay, so to speak, do we have the right to determine what God is allowed to do? No. Right. So if, if we start with that premise, then that deals with the issue of sovereignty. Who gets to be God? Because most of the time when we wrestle with these things, we come, you know, one way or another, we end up coming around to the, to the point of, well, that's just not fair. You know, that God can't do that. You know, why doesn't he do this for everybody? Why doesn't he do something that looks more like what I expect? And that is life beyond our pay grade. You know, that's, you know, we are now saying, God, uh, I think I can make better decisions about this than you. I think I know what, 
fair and what is right and what is good better than you do, even though the only reason I know what is fair and right and good is because I get it from you. It's derived from your character. So then to come back to the other thing that, that you were mentioning. So we got the sovereignty issue settled. God is God. I'm not right. So then the question of is someone who is not elect, if, if, we're going to you know, look from that perspective. And I think we often do. We, we take it from that negative side. Rather than looking at, oh, wow, you know, God has saved some, we look at, well, wait a minute. So you mean the ones he didn't choose just don't have a chance? The, the, the clear point that we need to recognize, and this is what uh, Paul will develop uh, a little later in, um, specifically in chapter 2, is that all of us are dead in our sins. Right. So in Romans 3.23, all of us fall short of the glory of God. Right. In Romans 6, all of us have sinned. We fall short of, the, of his glorious standard. Uh, Romans 6.23, we see that the wages of sin is death. So because of sin, mm-hmm. we're all dead. Jesus in John 3.18 says those who, who uh, don't believe in the Son, who have not, not received him, uh, are, they stand condemned already. That's our natural state. So I, I mentioned on Sunday... Uh, John 11 and the story of Jesus raising Lazarus. And the idea here is that Mm -hmm. Lazarus didn't have a choice about that. He he didn't think, Oh, I should obey. I hear Jesus. I should obey. Right. That wasn't a part of it. And he wasn't thinking, man, I really hope Jesus comes and raises me out of this grave because he's dead. Right. He didn't put out any effort. He didn't do anything like that. Four days dead, dead, right? He was like, Behold, he stinketh, as the King James says. So, (laughs) (laughs) this is not a, uh, he's he's not just merely dead, he's really most sincerely dead. So, uh, when Jesus came and elected Lazarus to be raised from the dead, he didn't raise everybody, he raised Lazarus. Well, why didn't he raise my cousin? Why didn't he raise my, you know, my dear Aunt Sally? Why, you know, why? Why did he leave them there? We don't know. We're not told. That's life beyond our pay grade. That's on God's side of the curtain. So when we start to wrestle with that, we're getting too far. The bigger issue is, why did he do it for anybody? Because they're all dead. Nobody deserves election. And none of us would choose God on our own. Why? Because we're dead. We're dead in our sins. Dead people don't choose. Uh, Romans 8 points out that, that the, the heart that's governed by the sinful nature, the mind that's governed by the sinful nature, is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God. Right. It doesn't, nor can it do so. It's not able. It doesn't have the capacity. Right. Why? Because it doesn't have right. life. It's dead spiritually. So the only way for us to receive God's grace is for God then to do it. God to initiate with his redeeming love, which is the picture we already have gotten through the entire Old Testament from God choosing to create Adam and Eve. He didn't create anybody else, right? He created Adam and Eve. That was Mm -hmm. his choice. He reached in and did this. They didn't ask to be created. They didn't, you know, earn that right. And then when we see what happens as they go forward, everything that goes forward, we see God acting, initiating, redeeming his people. And it continues all the way through Revelation. So the election, God choosing us, it's exciting. Sometimes it's strange because we'll get we'll get really exercised and worked up about a term like election. But we like to say that 
God chose us. You know? So there are a lot of things that we talk in terms of election sure. and predestination. We just don't think it through. So if election is God's choosing to give us grace, he chose us to display his grace, his glory through giving us grace. Then the predestination aspect right. of it, which is a, the Greek comes from the Greek verb uh, pro orizo, uh, when it, which just means to foreordain or to predetermine to settle a destination beforehand. You know, like when you go on make travel plans, you're going to settle your destination. So that idea is that God has a settled outcome for the people that He's chosen. So the whole reason right. that we can feel comfortable in this relationship is because not only has he chosen us, but those that he's chosen, he's also predestined. He has already settled the outcome of your faith because he has chosen you. So there is, there is a lot of comfort in that. And I wanted to transition to that really quickly when aren't we always running out of time, but, um, um, but I, I wanted to mention that really quick. Um, you had a little section on that on Sunday, but I think one of the reasons people make uh, predestination and election into such a controversial thing is because we as people don't want, and, and we don't have the right to say, well, you're a saved individual and you're right. not, you're a saved individual. You're not. Because I don't know if, if Hitler was, I don't know. Well, one way that you can know um, but, that, that uh, the Bible makes clear is the, the fruit of it. You know, you can tell the tree by its fruit. So right. it, go right. ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to but cut what you I, No, go ahead. Well, what I wanted to what I wanted to say is is the you know a lot of people I I, I do it still periodically I question my own salvation and uh, just because you know I'm a horrible human being and I've done this and I've done that so I I think that's kind of natural sometimes it, it is things. and it's always human centered um, uh, you know it's always focusing on right. me rather than focusing on him. Right. But what I find interesting is in looking at these ideas of, of election and predestination is the idea, like you were just talking with, about with Lazarus, if I am dead, <laughs> then something that is right. not me needs to be moving within me to right. bring me to life and and move me in that direction. And so... I personally feel that I have had that and I do have that. And, you know, some days I feel it's stronger than others, but um, that to me is exciting. And so I think if people are questioning things, you know, uh, I, I know, you know, people in my life and whatever uh, are constantly right. questioning things like that. And just the, the, the curiosity, the desire for that, the wanting to know more, the wanting to be closer to God, that, correct me if I'm wrong, that Dead is people don't do that. of the Holy Spirit in you. Right. So right. there, there's... Yeah, if you're wrestling with your sin, if you, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, we all are still going to sin. We're all still going to struggle. But, but if, that, if right, that is right. what defines you, if you're comfortable with that, you know, I, if you don't care about sinning, well, then you've not been reborn. You've not been regenerated. But if you do, an unregenerate right. heart doesn't, and not just, doesn't you know, care. Like getting caught I'm not wrestling. Whatever. I'm not struggling and, and right. bothered by the fact that I'm breaking the heart of God un, uh, until my heart has been right. changed. So as I'm examining my own life to see if I'm in the faith, you know, I have the testimony of my spirit with God's spirit. I know in my knower because God's spirit is testimony, testifying with mine that I belong to him. When, when my hard. conscience, when my heart yeah. weighs me down, 
God's spirit reminds me of, wait a minute. No, I belong to God, but we have the measurable things like obedience, you know, disciples follow the maker. So if we belong to Christ, we're, we are going to be concerned with doing his will. Are we going to do it perfectly? Of course not. Just like your, your beautiful son doesn't perfectly obey you, but he wants to make mommy happy. It's not just that he wants to get stuff from mommy. Of course he does because he's a kid, but but he, what he really wants is he wants to make mommy happy. That is a sign of relationship, right? So our obedience is a mark of that. When we love like Jesus, we, we display that we are his, that we belong to him. When we receive this new heart, right? We, we have a, 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 we're not in this old dead heart that we used to have, but we have a heart that's responsive to God, that desires the things of God. An unregenerate heart cannot love the things of God. It requires God's spirit to do that. When we, right. That to me is the simplest yeah. breakdown of this whole thing. And there's obviously more and, and we are out of time, but, but when the direction right, right. of my life and thinking has changed from self-directed to now, God word. I'm I'm going his direction. Maybe I'm not always doing it well, but I I want to follow him. I want to go in his direction. I'm not turning back. I'm going to pursue uh, trying to align my thinking with the reality of God's word. That repentant heart comes only for regenerate people. So the fruit of the spirit uh, we see in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is the Holy Spirit in us producing Christ-like character. And if we don't have that, then we might have reason to, to question, you know, it, because if you are in Christ, you're going, the Holy Spirit is going to produce this in you. So there are any number of health and growth issues that might hamper some of these things, but the lack of their presence is a negative testimony. Their, their actual positive presence is a positive testimony that that we do belong to him, or at least that the spirit has drawn us and we're at a place where we need to confront that relationship. So because it's God and not me, it should move me to, to gratitude for sure, that God's grace is, is everything. That's what saved me. And the only way I got his grace is that he chose to give it to me. So that should give me a sense of certainty and security that my salvation it's not based on me. It rests on God's character, not mine. Because if it was up to me to maintain my salvation, if God did 99% and I did 1%, if it was up to me at all to maintain this, listen, man, <laughs> I know me. That's not how it works. If Paul can struggle yeah. in Romans 7, yeah. constantly doing what he doesn't want to do and not doing what he does want to do, calling himself a wretched man because of this, who do I think I am that I could possibly do it? I, I would lose my right. salvation a thousand times a day. You know, and that's an underestimate. Right. There's, I have zero hope if it's hinging on my character or my ability to hold on, my faith. You know, and, and so it's not a matter of me holding on to him. It's a matter of him holding on to me. So because of that right. and because of who God is, there's nothing that can stop the Father's plans for me. When he has said, I have a, a predetermined, predestined outcome for your life that you will be conformed ultimately to the likeness of the son. You will receive the full inheritance of a child of God equal in inheritance with Jesus himself, that, that everything that is spiritually true of Christ is spiritually true of me. When God says that, that's coming from him. And that kind of confidence right. coming from knowing that 
God can't fail. He can't have his plans thwarted. Man, that, that should be driving us in exuberant loving worship in, in the comfort of knowing even when I am afraid, I don't have to be afraid. When everything is going wrong, I can choose to trust you. I can choose to rejoice in the love that you've given to me. So anyway, that's, that's kind of what we're looking at. And uh, there's, again, just like before, there's so much more to talk about that uh, if people want to see more, they should yeah. uh, contact us and we can talk that through. And we'll continue. Uh, th- these, these concepts will come up uh, throughout our conversation. We're not going to spend time uh, uh, drilling down on this anymore, but, but as we go through the book of Ephesians, uh, these concepts don't go away because they're, they're woven into all of it, into everything. Mm-hmm. If you, yeah, yeah, we you guys, are. Oh, wow, we're way over time. <laughs> if you do have questions uh, about this or anything else, uh, feel free to, like Rich said, contact us. Uh, you can send us a message on Facebook or a comment on YouTube. Um, you can email us at something real at reallifeonline.org or leave us a voicemail at 269 756 RLCC. Uh, hopefully, next week we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program. Um, without it's been what oh no we had a week in between there but we've had some it's, uh, it, off it's been fun last month or so with illness and traveling but uh yeah hopefully we'll be and hopefully back together in and, person uh, but yeah because it's more fun that way yes that's always better i really don't like just looking been at there. my computer <laughs> i gotta say i gotta say um but we will leave it with that for it's, I'm, I'm probably not going to post this until the morning, so I'll say we'll leave it at that for today. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Rich, oh, I know, you know I'm I not do. even going to ask you if you have anything else to say, but do you have anything else to say? Well, uh, yeah, you guys can send us your questions, comments, and we'll we'll get to them next week or, or in the near future. Uh, Rich, I will see you when you get back. All and right. thank so, you, everybody. Thanks else very for much. Listening. I appreciate you taking the time and. Send those emails, call the 269-756-RLCC, and we'll get it all. Thanks, Rich.